Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners and here we are again on our Speaking From Our Hearts podcast episode where today I'm joined by a gentleman from the UK by the name of Amechi Hudo. So Amechi, a very, very good uh, day to you and a very warm welcome to you. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, really appreciate your pronunciation of my name as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, I believe today, uh, Amechi, you want to talk to us about bringing your whole self to work. I certainly do. Um, I feel it's uh, it's something that really affects a, a, a lot of people. That that desire to either give more of themselves in their work or to express more of their skills, their capabilities, who they are through their work. And I think it's becoming increasingly important in work environments today. So. One of the approaches, um, maybe one of the approaches, I don't want to be presumptuous here, that uh, people could adopt is, well, actually, um, Amechi, I only go to work to get paid. The rest of it is just stuff. What would be your response to that? Well, it's interesting you should say that, Paul, because when I first start, started work, oh, well, in, in the last century, <laughs> um, it, I... I realized that there were at least two kinds of people in terms of the work environment. Those like the ones you've described who come into work, pick, pick up their check and, and they live their lives outside of their work and that's it. And I have a great deal of respect for them and I think that's, that's great. I think they're typically from my experience, the challenge comes for them when their salary no longer allows them to live the life they want to live outside of work. And they then face some real challenges about how do I review or assess my skills and change change the circumstances so that I can do what I want to do outside of work and have work support me in, in accomplishing that. The other group of people that I, I met were, were very much inclined and focused on wanting to make a difference through their work, have their work have a real impact. And if you like, in this in the current era that that's uh, epitomized by those who join organizations that have a triple bottom line uh, of people people profit and planet they're, they're looking they're looking for more meaningful significant work so yeah there are those people who yep great go to work pick up my check that's it as long as it as long as it covers me and mine that's that's it I'm done I, I understand that and I work with people who, who have that mindset. Do you think, um, Amechi, that the the latter group, the more actually I want more than just picking up a check, is that something um, that comes with more, um, more wisdom, more experience? Um, if I can be allowed to share my own experience when I first 
you know, first started were many moons ago. All I wanted was enough uh, beer money and token money, as I called it, to to go to the football match, my social side of things, anything else outside of that. And obviously, you know, in later life, that sort of crossed over to paying the mortgage, you know, bringing the kids up and that kind of thing. But I suppose my question, just to to, to be clear, um, is, is the latter wanting more from work? Does that come later in years as a generalisation or is it something that stereotypically even young people can have that realisation that I want more even though I'm young and I've just started my career etc etc I mean is or is it not that kind of simplistic oh I think you've answered the question there for yourself you know it it arrives for us all at, at different stages at different times I mean when I reflect back on my on my own career um Part of why the, if you like, I, I had a focus on wanting to do more, uh, having greater impact, was in part just my nature, who I who I was and who I am as a person. Mm. Um, I wanted to see a result from what I was doing, and I wanted it to be tangible. I wanted it to be meaningful. I wanted it to be, to be recognisable. Now, different people come at it from different different perspectives some of them great you know what i just do my thing in my zone <laughs> i see the results in terms of i get paid and I, I can go and spend my money that still work with meaning with purpose it simply is focused around the individual i think what does change if those individual needs are met is that over time we then look beyond ourselves we look to our family family unit we look towards our, our wider friendship circle we look beyond that to our wider community and for some you know they get to a stage where they're saying you know what can i do for my country my environment my planet you know, and for those who are, who are, who are tr truly stellar, they may even say, you know, intergalactically, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. That's, you know, that sounds them. Although there are some very tangible elements around that, you know, people who talk about uh, our trips into space and are we really just throwing our own space debris up in, up into the universe and causing more problems? <laughs> you know, so it's not just, that's not just an esoteric, out, out there statement there are some very practical and tangible re reasons why people talk about their universal galaxy but anyway back to you Paul <laughs> yeah what was going through my mind when you were speaking there was actually that realization of advancement if that's the right word for for us as individuals is one thing um, to what degree does employers have this kind of, and I know certainly within the uh, the Japanese cultural philosophy of work, it's more around, you know, not only being the best you can for you, but as you say, that more holistic for the community, for the work, everything. And I'm not so sure in the UK that we share that kind of uh, more holistic approach. I mean, do you feel that there is a responsibility for employers to say, you know, don't just turn up Monday to Friday, nine to five and pick up your wage packet. You know, inspire us to inspire you. What can we do to support you so we all grow together? Or do you feel that's been too idealistic? 
No, not at all. Um, in fact, only this morning I was I was just li- listening to uh, another podcast. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they they were interviewing a company that's become a certified B Corp, uh, um, and that, and that means that they have written into their operation and and their culture and the way they do business on a day to day basis that their focus is not simply to make a profit, but it is to benefit the people and to, and to benefit the, uh, the planet. Mm. And they, they are not prescriptive with their employees about where they focus their time and their attention in, to serve those endeavours, but they are clear that this needs to be recognised uh, and supported and rewarded and articulated inside and outside of their businesses. The B Corp movement is a global movement. There are well over a hundred, hundred different businesses that subscribe to this. And uh, you know, my, my, the figure I gave you there is probably far lower than what's going actually out there. There are, there's an index called the uh, Game Chain, Game Changers io which was originally Game Changers 500, which which really focused on 500 companies that were recognised globally as making a difference, as looking to to have, make a greater statement. The United Nations, with its uh, sustainable development, 17 sustainable development goals, um, has has encouraged businesses to take those goals and integrate them into their business. Unilever, one of the biggest uh, well, re- retail and manufacturing, uh, pharmaceutical goods manufacturers around the world, has said we are going to be and are being champions of this. They are, you know, if a multinational with a, such a complex and convoluted structure can say, actually, we are more than simply making profit for our shareholders, can commit to this, then why can't other organizations? Movements like uh, escapethecity.org have been running for at least four or five years now, showcasing organizations that again are really committed to people bringing their whole selves to work and and expressing themselves through their work their values are being articulated by the work that they do even organizations like um price wardhouse coopers pwc are, are have reflected on their work structures and are actually saying hey you as our employees can now start to indicate what uh, what days and times you want to work the nine to five structure needs to move aside and be more flexible to reflect what is going on in our lives it's not just netflix netflix for, for, that's changed our viewing habits it's our working habits, our need for flexibility, our need to have a higher purpose, a higher meaning in what we do, and an, and a mean and a desire to actually have that tangibly evidenced in a way that that has significance for us. There's lots of studies that have shown that this makes a difference in people's engagement, in people's satisfaction, in people's motivation. And ultimately, if you're measuring it in pounds and pence or dollars and cents, in profitability. So, you know, and if somebody, anybody wants to check, check out that last element, 
download a copy of the Happy Manifesto, uh, written by Henry Stewart, uh, who's uh, the owner of um, a company called Happy, and just check it out. Just go and read that section where they they conducted. Uh, research over a number of years into Wall Street companies and they found that the employees who were the happiest also happened to be working in companies that outperformed the New York Stock Exchange by by 5%. They outperformed the top performers on the New York Stock Exchange. Not the middle, not the bottom, the top. Mm. And, you know, um, I would also actively encourage people to go and check out on YouTube, the Happy Manifestos, uh, Happy Happy Conferences. Um, I I attended one of theirs. I think back in twenty fourteen, yeah, twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, which I think is still online. And it was shocking to me to hear a, a, a then uh, CEO of a of a hospital of an NHS trust and I, I used to work in the health service in human resources, um, to have that, that, that CEO stand up and say, hey, in, employee engagement and workplace happiness matters. It is a matter of life and death. She then put up a slide which showed the clinical outcomes for organizations where employee engagement was low, employee engagement was high, it will not come as a shock, you know, based on what I've just said, to find out that actually health outcomes were better. Clinical interventions, operations, the outcomes from those were generally better where the staff, where the employees were happy. Mm. So this isn't just fluff and nonsense, you know. This is... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will say it again. It is a matter of life and death. And it's coincidental that you mentioned Japan. And they used that I my Japanese only extends to my, well, some people ask me if I'm, I'm Japanese with my surname. But, but um, Japan had a culture of work, workplace suicide, you know, as in people literally worked themselves to death. Mm. They had a culture where uh, wives were frightened that, that their husbands would retire because they had spent 20, 30, 40, 50 years building a life uh, alongside their husbands, but without their husbands' interference because their husbands were wedded to their jobs. Yeah. So this issue of, of workplace happiness, of, of bringing your whole self to work, it matters immensely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, what uh, what was also sort of going through my mind there, um, Amici, as you was talking, was this. There was something when I was going through uni or many many moons ago now, and I thought, the guys it's escaped. Was it Robertson Robinson? Uh, but he made this statement, and I thought there was a great parallel to what you were saying there. And his statement was around the object of a business is not to make money the object of a business is to serve its customers and its people the result is to make money and that's kind of exactly what you've just said there isn't it yeah i mean it 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 comes as a byproduct and i think you know we're we're in an interesting time now where organizations are employing people specifically to take up positions in employee experience 
In other words, they want to know what's going on in this experience. It, what, what's going on with our employees? If our employees are happier, if our employees are more satisfied, if our employees are more engaged, we can be more productive. We can then therefore be more effective. And generally, we can be more profitable. And we can use those profits for the benefit of more people both our employees, our shareholders, ourselves, but also for our wider community. For, because if we support and sustain the community, we will have customers. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. This, is, this is not just a warm and fuzzy, oh, let's do it because it's nice. It is a very tangible, practical piece, which is to say, if we create healthy environments, then actually everybody benefits. If we create unhealthy environments, then everybody loses. There's a more deeper rooted approach to this, though, isn't there? In terms of where are we at ourselves? Or take the park the work element, if you will. Mm. Um, you know, I won't go as I don't think the scope is right to go as deep as who am I? What's my purpose? Because that's not the remit of um, you know this conversation. And obviously, you know. Um, that, that's a whole different kind of uh, um, conversation in its own right. But that kind of, you know, flirting with that about yeah, well, who, who am I? It's about me. It's not about my externals, whether that's my relationships, whether that's my work. It's about me first and foremost. And I'd probably take that a step further, uh, Amici, and say it's actually about my relationship with myself. Yep. <laughs> All of those are true. <laughs> All of those are true. I mean, I, 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 in in my bio, I, you know, I, I gave, gave a bit of an indication of, of there were some big challenges that I faced, and and the, the points about who am I, what, you know, at my core were real questions. The reason why I gave you the the date. Of, of the 4th of January 1999 was, was because that was, that was when I found myself suddenly outside of the offices that I used to work in with just my, my office possessions and, and my, my, the suit I stood up in. I had gone from being employed to being unemployed. I had never, never experienced unemployment. I didn't know what to do. I had no house. I had no car. I had no, no family. I had no house, I had no car, and I had no family. I was 29 years old, and I, for the first time in my adult life, I could actually ask myself the question, what do I want to do? Mm. Yes, I did need to go and sort out some very basic, if you like, Maslow hierarchy of needs of get some shelter over my head and sort the food and stuff out. But I had an opportunity for as a grown adult to stop and reflect. And I think most adults don't get that opportunity. They are on a conveyor belt and they, it's usually a redundancy, a, a divorce, a health scare that pulls them up short and says, you know, excuse my language, bloody hell. <laughs> Do I really want to be doing this job anymore? Mm. Do I really want to be going to somewhere that I'm unhappy in or that doesn't actually honor my about my abilities, my talents, or doesn't serve a wider purpose or just doesn't reflect who I am now 
or doesn't fit with my life as it is now or isn't in line with my priorities now people are having to stop and think and like i say typically that only happens when something abruptly comes to interrupt what they see what they perceive to be a seamless smooth life up until that point yeah i think it's that classic whether it's a job a relationship or you know whatever the change process involved is it's that okay what need do i need to to meet now what is my need because um, as it's well known you know we'll compromise anything that will compromise our values to meet needs um and i think it's uh, it's just sort of boxed up on the very simple word of survival it's it's what we're conditioned to do isn't it so to kind of raise this awareness, because I think that's what we're talking about here, Amiti, is raising awareness to, as you say, you know, when you was felt um, sort of faced with that, what do I do now? Got nothing. Now, in many respects, if you've got the awareness to, I suppose, embrace the, well, the only way is up mentality, that's great. <laughs> but <laughs> I also know the other, I haven't ever experienced the other yeah. side of the coin where, Oh, do you know what? Everything's against me, you know. Uh, and I'll talk about myself here, if I may. I've slipped into victim mode. Um, and, and that's what I did. Poor old me. Um, why is this always happening to me? Um, and then that is reality that we have to deal with in society, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll go back a couple of steps about the about those external life factors that typically seem to rem- wake us up, if you like. I, what I will say for myself, and I, I believe this is probably true for a lot more people than, than actually articulate it, most of us know somewhere in ourselves, deep down, when something's a good fit and when we've outgrown something and it's time to move on. And in terms of our work, because we've typically piled so many things on top of that work in terms of what what that work uh, supports us in. Oh, this work not only feeds me, clothes me, gives me transport, uh, lets me go and do my social life, um, ha- go on holiday, buy my house, rent my house, etc., etc., etc. Because of all those things loaded on it, we... We, we run away from change, from changing unless we really have to. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think part of the shift around that process is when we get financially educated, we start to actually learn how money works. And I'm a big fan of Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow 101. Uh, you know, and I, I, I do very much believe that... Uh, the just over broke or job as it's commonly known causes a lot of people a lot of problems and i think it's why we've seen a sudden rise in or not sudden but a, a clear rise in side hustle uh occupations um because people are realizing hey you know what if i want to do some of this stuff i'm going to have to have some additional income but really at the heart of a lot of this is our hearts we can feel when this stuff is right for us, when it when it sings to us, when it brings us joy. When we wake up more days than not wanting to go to work, wanting to be with the people that we're we're with, and wanting to be inside that environment. 
That is when we know we have job satisfaction. If any one of those or more than one of those is missing, that is where we have job dissatisfaction. For some people, they will wait until the redundancy notice and they'll be the first one to put their hand up and say, hey, I'll go voluntarily. And people will look at them and be like, why are you leaving? Why, why are you giving all this up? Hey, man, this is my escape ticket. I'm out of here. Cheers. Mm. There'll be other people who go, who go, yeah, do you know what? I'm up, for, I'm up for working four days a week rather than five. I don't mind cutting that back. That will give me one, one more day with my grandkids. That will give me one more day with my partner. That will give me one more day with myself because I don't have that right now. There are other people who say, do you know what? I'm quite happy that the organization has changed and restructured so that I actually can step down a bit and get back to the bit of work that I really want to do, that I joined this company for, that I care about doing, rather than to go and do the, bit, the other bits, which, frankly, they fry my brain, they take up too much of my time and take me away from the core stuff that I'm really good at. People are starting to wake up to the fact that they can give themselves the permission to change their work life. I don't just work with people about career change as in, yeah, quit here, go there. I work with them on change your attitude, your mentality, your behavior, your beliefs around how you show up at work. Because if you do that, regardless of the organization, which you will certainly not change because it's usually a huge beast, regardless of the organization, you will change the way that you interact with it. And I can guarantee you 100% that you will feel better. You'll feel lighter. You'll feel happier. How do I know this? Because it happened for me and it happened for clients that I've worked with. I initially, you know, when I, when I experienced the redundancy, um, truth be told, the redundancy, I was going to leave that role anyway. It just so happened that I got the wake-up call at that point. My boss had already had a really good guy, Dave, uh, a guy called David Shepard. Um, he, had, he was honest with me and he said, look, I'm actually, you're nearly 30. Where are you going with, with your career right now? You need to think about what you want to do. I'd only been in the company at the time three months and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, David. And initially I like put my head down and, and, and tried to just bat that away. Fast forward a further three months, I'm out of there. Within two weeks, I was out working, earning more money than I'd ever earned before. But in that intervening two weeks, I'd also learned a lot about myself and about who's around me to support me as I made these changes. People in my family did things that I never thought they would have done for me. Friends did stuff and rallied around and, and helped me. Um, colleagues who are now you know, valued friends let me know things that help protect and safeguard my professional reputation as I went forward. I, I realized I had choices that I didn't think I had. 
I didn't go and do a job straight away. I went and did an interim contract. I used my skills to go and do work that wasn't necessarily the work I wanted to do forever, but it was the right work for me to give me space to think about what I wanted to do. So many times when people talk about career changes, they think it's it's a big leap. It's, e it's either this or this. And therefore, they're paralyzed by fear. The sheer scale and scope of it is too much. It's overwhelming. In reality, though, to make that change, they really need to focus on the, what can I do in the meantime? What are the small steps I can take? That might be, as for, for one client, she, she did decide to uh, reduce her, her hours by, by one day a week. It gave her the time to work on her own uh, small business that she was she was setting up, and when the time was right, she then reduced her hours again and then transitioned out of that organisation. It doesn't have to be uh, this big leap all the time. In fact, if people want to do it successfully, it's more often a gradual transition rather than. The big, the big bang. Not saying you can't do it that way, but more often, the transition is what what, what helps people the most. Yeah, I understand so. that. I understand that, Amiti. So as we start to uh, draw towards a close now, um, as I do, um, yeah, and sure. regular listeners um, know what's kind of coming now. But uh, I always finish off with one big question that I put to a guest at the end. But I want to park that for a moment. I just, <laughs> I just want to ask you, Amici, how can people reach out to you? What's your contact details? How can get get in touch with you if they want to know more about you and your, you know, your work and uh, your philosophies and your, and your help that you can offer? What's the contact details? Uh, first of all, foremost, they can go to um, my website, which is www your career matters.co.uk so that's www.yourcareermatters.co.uk please sign up to our mailing list and so you can get tips suggestions advice information to help you make an effective career change secondly if you would like to have a conversation with me you know you find yourself you're at that point now where you really want to discuss how you make your career change effective um, then Drop me an email at amechi, which is A-M-E-C-H-I, at yourcareermatters.co.uk. So that's amechi at yourcareermatters.co.uk. And then if you're on LinkedIn, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn, amechi Udo, A-M-E-C-H-I, surname U-D-O. Or you can actually follow my URL, which is uh, linkedin.com uh, forward slash, uh, I think it's IN forward slash, uh, uh, coach for executives. So that's, that's, my, that's the end of my URL, coach for executives. And uh, yeah, I'd be more than happy. Please put in the subject line when you send me an email that you heard you, you connected with me from hearing on hearing me on this podcast so i know straight away that uh, well that's where that's where we're connecting from 
Excellent. Okay, so the big question then. The big question. The big question. Okay. <laughs> the question. Okay. And it usually comes in the form of a kind of a very sort of quick bang. There's the answer. Um, or there's the insight. Um, let's not make it as definitive as an answer. But it's this, um, Amici. So to give one piece of guidance, support, advice, more than any other under the context of bringing your whole self to work, what would that that banner insight headline be? Give yourself permission. Love it. Love it. That's very powerful because do you, do you know what I really personally love about that is... 99 times out of 100, right at the end when I ask that question, it's usually a quick one-liner, two or three words, half a dozen words, whatever, and listeners can take that away because they'll remember that. Give yourself permission. Three simple words. And the the thought processes that will go on around that, okay, well, what does that mean then? I give myself permission. So I thank you immensely for that. That's a great way to finish Amici, thank you immensely for for sharing, for taking the time to share your insights, your experience, and um, and thank you for you know for being part of this journey with us uh, today. Likewise, Paul. You know, uh, I I feel very very honoured to to have been given the opportunity to have a conversation with you and your audience today, and I. Well, to in some small way to contribute to the work that you're doing, which is having having a big impact and making a real difference. So thank you. So there we have it, listeners. And you know, to uh, to follow the uh, the normal pattern as we do, um, ever predictable or maybe not, maybe not. Uh, but anyway, just to say, no matter what you do in life, always follow your path with heart. Hearts helping everyone achieve results towards success.